Welcome to episode 28 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Doc and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Miss Marvel number 25, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 26, Black Bolt number 9, and Secret Warriors number 11. Hi, guys. It's been a while. Hey. Welcome yeah. to 2018. The future yeah. is now. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, I hope you guys had a good um, seasonal time of year. I think we also we don't all celebrate Christmas. So. I had a good one. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was festive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was going to comment. I make a quick comment that I managed to get um, issues one to twelve of the Inhumans run by Makiva and. One to four of like the weird two thousand and two run, I think. So four issues long. Nice. They, they were oh, good. the one, the one by uh, by uh, Jose Ladron and Carlos Pacquio. Something like that, yeah. Oh, that's a wild series. It's, it's a one, beautiful art. Yeah, it's got on on the front. It's got Black Bolt, Medusa, Karnak. I want to say, and then yeah, 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 and then um, Ronan the Accuser. That's the one, yeah. Oh, I need to pick yeah, that that's one a up. fantastic <laughs> series. Um, it almost, it, you know, like many Inhuman series, it it does not adhere to continuity whatsoever. But um, <laughs> it's it's a fun read and a beautiful. I mean, uh, Ladrones. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. His art is um, spectacular. Um, yeah, I started to read it on. So good, good catch that one. Yeah, they were really good. I managed to get them on eBay, which is which is pretty good. But it would cost like forty pounds all in all. So I was kind of like, hmm, maybe I should go easy this month. Right. Uh, for for those of you out there who would like to read this, it was uh, republished in trade paperback form uh, as part of the Fantastic Four line. It's just called Fantastic Four colon The Inhumans. And it has those it four issues along with another story um, or two. Um, and it's, uh, I, I believe it's on Comixology, and it's certainly available on Amazon. Um, and on, definitely recommend it. Probably on Marvel Unlimited, too, yeah, I would is, say. Yeah. If it's on Comixology, it's going to be on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, I just there kind of went on a bit of a binge of kind of getting all the back issues. Very nice. So, but uh, I, I Well, all of, all of the... Uh, all the comic reading kids on my Christmas Hanukkah list got issues of uh, got trade paperbacks of of the latest ones for Moon Girl and Miss Marvel and uh, my brother and uh, uh, got um, Black Bolt Volume One Hard Time and they all really enjoyed them. Wow, <laughs> your cat's having fun. They are having a little wrestle match. Yeah, doing what cats do. That's- uh, they will do that. Um, so, uh, in TV territory, uh, this week's Agents of Shield, we see we uh, saw Flint undergo his uh, terogenesis, which was pretty cool. I got a lot of questions asking where to find his. Um, yeah, I, I, where to find him in the comic books to, to learn more about him. So, if you're wondering where to find Flint, um, if you're tuning in because you're uh, an Agents of Sh- a Shield fan or an Inhumans fan and want to get into the comics. Um, best place to start for Flint is Charles Soule's Inhuman Run, then go into uh, All New Inhumans by James Asmus, and then Royals by uh, Al Ewing. His Al Ewing. For me. Thank you. Because um, <laughs> Flint's got a really interesting story, so he's definitely um, worth checking out in the comics if uh, that's what you wanted to find out. 
Yeah, I was wondering if uh, maybe the the TV show might um, somehow manage. You know, when this arc uh, comes to an end, and presumably the sh- the agents return to their their regular timeline, I wonder if maybe Flint might. Spoilers, by them. the way. I hope so. That would be kind of cool, but also be probably not so good. I don't know. How how does that happen? If you sense, I don't know. That would be kind of interesting, though. Um, but is that this? Spoiler. If the UK listeners, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returned to television yesterday, I think. Um, oh, and it'd be on Channel 4, E4, something like that. I can't remember which one. One of the two. Okay. And it's an excellent season, so... If you're looking to get yeah. back on the show, this is a good season to jump on. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should jump into Miss Marvel. One other piece of stuff. one oh, other no? piece of quick news: uh, uh, Marvel uh, put out an announcement that they've got a, a oh! new series yes! coming out in a couple of maybe a month or two. Uh, Exiles oh, by yes. um, writer Saladin Ahmed, friend of the show, and uh, Royals illustrator Javier Rodriguez. And Gosh. it's, uh, so it's like a. That's gonna be one hell of a team, and I know it's, it's most a, only one inhuman, but I'm excited because of who the team is. You, yeah, I'm I'm really excited because um, it's got Iron Lad, and I that, that Iron Lad. Yeah, that that just that a, makes me quite excited. Although we don't know which Iron Lad it'll be. Will it be Iron Lad who's part Vision, or is it gonna be Iron Lad who's like Kang Junior? We don't know. Um, I'm, kind of, I'm, kind of I'm looking forward for, to finding out. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping for Kang because I really like Kang. He's quite a good, a good villain. Yeah. And there's uh, uh, Blink. Yes. Blink. It's like uh, alternate universe Blink, though, isn't a- it? Age, Age of Apocalypse Blink. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And we've got Wolvie. Looks <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a cheapy. <laughs> the X baby. <laughs> Oh, I'm dear. not sure where he's from, and and then yeah. a, a, a yet to be announced character. They're all going to be led by uh, Nick Fury Junior, uh, Senior, yeah. otherwise known as the, the Unseen. Un- or, and then most exciting, there's going to be a 30 year old, war torn, grizzled version of Kamala Khan who now just goes Look by bad ass. She looks like uh, Sarah Connors from uh, Terminator. Apparently, uh, that is that's, that's like how, the basis. That's how Saladin Ahmed described her. Yeah. And everyone's like really intrigued. And then the mystery one, um, people are saying, are thinking it's Angela. Really? Um, oh, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Thor's sister, yes. Yeah, I would be I would be very happy with Angela. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Um, I'd also be happy with it being the... Uh, MCU version of Valkyrie. Oh, that'd be <laughs> yeah, cool. that'd be really cool. Yeah, you, the, you, he's taken them from all sorts of different universes. So I'm excited because it's going to be one hell of a creative team. Um, Saladin Ahmed gets to work with Javier Rodriguez. Um, who's going to be um, his art team includes uh, Alvaro Lopez, who's his anchor, and then colors by Jordi Belair. So oh wow. This- so this team has been together now for three books because they were on Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme and they were on Royals together and now they are on Exiles together. So I have a feeling this team is going to be sticking together for a while. They're a really good team. Um, I'm, I don't know why Javier Rodriguez hasn't gotten an, an Eisner yet, but hopefully he'll get one. As many people <laughs> I say, I wonder why they haven't got an Eisner yet. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
Um, one one last bit of um, stuff to go through. The Medusa Pop winner. Oh yes. Ah. Let's do that now before the before we get to the end of the show because usually we forget. Um, we did a quick name out of the hat before the before the show started, and thank the winner you for is your yeah. Thank you for your emails. Um, we will probably go through uh, them at some point. Uh, I'm <laughs> on the, actually, like discussing them on the show because <laughs> some of them have some really good points. But um, uh, Mike Murdoch on the comic book resources forum um, emailed us in, uh, and and yeah, we'll give you the Medusa pop. So yep, just uh, give me your address. Um, I'll be I'll be in contact with you to get your address. Um, It'll probably go out in a few weeks. So yeah, yeah, we'll get the um... few weeks. Well, <laughs> a week or two. I have. I have money to ship mm-hmm. off. This episode doesn't go out okay, till yeah. Wednesday, so <laughs> we'll get the get all the I stuff. I do out. have it. I just have to get my yeah. ducks in a row and get to the post office. But you will get it. And then now we're on to the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Miss Marvel number 25, which is an issue I absolutely loved. Um, it's a start of a brand new arc, the, the Teenage Wasteland story. Um, now, as, as uh, those following the, the book know, uh, Kamala has decided to take a sabbatical. Uh, being Miss Marvel has, has proven quite rough for her, and, and she's been feeling really down in the dumps. And so um, she's decided to take some time off. Um, now, uh, uh, the, her friends, well, not her friends, but, uh, Kamala's friends, they don't know that Miss, that Kamala's Miss Marvel, but they do realize that Miss Marvel's gone missing. So they've taken it upon themselves to fill in, um, uh, with, uh, Zoe and Nakia and Mike and Gabe, uh, put, to, uh, pooling their resources to put together a uh, a sort of ersatz Miss Marvel outfit so that they can go patrolling and make sure that Jersey City uh, still feels assured that their own uh, superhero is out there keeping things safe. Um, and that's where the issue starts with um, with Mike, and she's dressed up in a in a Miss Marvel getup, complete with a wig that still has a price tag on it, and she foils <laughs> a. Uh, a burglary uh, using uh, a phony embiggened fist, which inflates and then punches this guy off into the ether. Sounds it's, like it's something would grow and develop. <laughs> right, you'd think maybe. Um, but you know, fighting crime is is super hard, and 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 you know, Mike tries to make a dramatic exit by leaping off of a rooftop, and she ends up falling into a dumpster, and she's just like, "All right, I'm not doing this." I'm done with this. Um, and back at, at Gabe's basement, she's like, next, I'm not, no more for me. And and Zoe says, all right, I'm good. I've been crossfitting. I'm ready to do it. Um, now, meanwhile, um, the nefarious Dr. Gregory Balcazar Knox, otherwise known as the inventor, has been uh, paroled from prison. And those of you who who know the series, the inventor is actually the first supervillain that Miss Marvel had encountered way back in the way back. And he used to wear a bird costume of some sort. He looked like a giant parrot. I, I'm not quite sure. But now we see what he looks like um, without the costume. And it's understandable why he would wear a bird costume because he's <laughs> not a very handsome man. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, okay. Oh, so next day um, at school, 
the 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 Kamala's friends are gathered around, and one of their other classmates, this this young kid named Na- Naftali, he shows up looking for Kam- Kamala. He it's Wednesday, it's sandwich day, and he's brought a deluxe kosher hoagie from from uh, the Bronx for his pal. And everyone's looking at the sandwich like it's the great. Oh my God, the sandwich looks so good. And it's like no, no, this is for this is for Kamala. You guys, you know. Uh, tell me where she is. And they're like, oh, well, she's been hanging out with her brother because <laughs> this and that, whatever. So he jumps – Neftali jumps on his scooter and shoots over to uh, to Kamala's house where she finds Amir, Kamala's brother, loading up a moving van. His wife is, is about eight months pregnant, getting ready to have a baby any day now, and – Amir is uh, rushing to uh, get his own apartment settled in time for the baby to arrive. Now, Amir does know his sister's secret identity, and he knows that, um, you know, with all of her adventures alongside the champions and the secret warriors, uh, Kamala, she misses a lot of school, and, and, um, and Amir covers for her. And he says, well, you know, don't worry, she's fine. Don't worry about her. And that kind of covers that, so, you know. We don't know. Um, so her friends just assume that Kamala is helping Amir, and that's that. Okay, so that evening, Zoe, who has been reading Pakur for Dummies, is already to uh, do her job <laughs> patrolling. She's got the Mar- Miss Marvel. <laughs> She's got her Miss Marvel garb on. The wig, the wig still has the price tag. She's ready, but uh, she's very smartly uh, chosen an affluent neighborhood to do her uh, patrol in because she doesn't really want to uh, encounter any criminals. Um, Track, and she is approached down, by tracking down rogue Wall Street traders. Yeah, well, you know, they 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 need to be brought to justice too. Um, she's approached by uh, La Cagier, the Red Dagger. Now, if you guys recall, the Red Dagger is Kareem, who has uh, taken a semester from Karachi to live in Jersey City, um, and he's uh, he he knows that Miss Marvel doesn't look like Zoe. Come on, you two, are you kidding me? It's like WrestleMania over here. Um, uh, so. The Red Dagger, he sees through Zoe's disguise. He knows Miss Marvel quite well. He knows that she doesn't have blue eyes and Caucasian skin. And um, uh, they, he's like, hey, where's, where's, where's the real deal? And um, before their conversation can go any further, this, uh, this old dude shoots by on his rascal um, and is, <laughs> is, is yelling about how he's in danger. And uh, Zoe runs up to him, or trots up to him. It's like, what's what's going on? And and the man explains that he's escaped from his assisted living home because someone there has been locking up the residents in a science dungeon. <laughs> dun dun dun. Um, you know, concerned this old fellow might be suffering from some type of age-related confusion. Uh, Zoe and the Red Dagger escort him back to the Sundown Senior Sanctuary, an assisted living residence in Jersey City. Um, While they do so, the dagger laments how, in his own country, people would never treat their elders in such a way. One's grandparents deserve respect and should be cared for by their families. You know, hear, hear. Um, But 
that's not how it is in America. You put him in the sundown senior sanctuary. And despite the old man's claims of peril, it seems like a really nice place. I mean, there's a spirited game of checkers going on. There's a, a, you know, a dog sleeping. There's this old dude who seems perfectly happy just throwing a whole pile of stuffed animals out the window, which... I have to admit, does look pretty fun. Oh, I love um, yeah, I, I mean, this, this looks as about as fun as an 80s uh, hotel. Um, yeah, I, I would stay there. <laughs> Except for Bob the Orderly, who is quite obviously Dr. Gregory Balgazar Knox. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so the, the, everything looks fine, but the dagger insists that he and Zoe have a look around just to be sure. And and Bob the Orderly is like, no, out, get out of here. Uh, and um, quite suddenly, a mechanical arm smashes through the wall. It grabs Zoe and it picks her up. And and the dagger, a red dagger, tries to rescue her. But they end, they both end up falling, falling to the side of the building. And fortunately, they both land safely in the pile of stuffed animals that the old timer had been throwing at the window. So thanks, Grandpa. Um, the two get up, and what they see in front of them is this giant gecko cyborg. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the, you know, the weirdest yeah. thing. That, yeah. yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's what I expected to see for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's um, there that the <laughs> the issue comes to a cliffhanger to be continued. Um, and that, it's a fun story. It's a fun read. Yeah, there was um, there was a there was a uh, a weird uh, comment. Well, not a weird comment, but a weird parallel I made to a comment you just made about putting your grandparents and stuff onto into an old people's home. Um, uh-huh. And just just a little bit of backstory. I've kind of made it a, a 2018 kind of resolution aim to get through a load of my old comic books that I haven't read yet because I buy stuff and don't read them apparently. And one of them was Descender by Jeff Lemire. And there's a comment made in that about how um, it's weird that humans put people in old people's homes and that sort of stuff, and they just don't feel like they can care about them. And I thought it was just a weird parallel. thought I'd bring it up. Has no bearing right. on this. Has put no bearing on this podcast, but, you know. Well, there is a, a very interesting uh, psychological study out there that was conducted that showed that um, uh, it, the way in which... Um, People, older people are treated and the degree of respect and reverence they receive actually has a very positive impact on their health and mental functioning. So, you know, if you, if you treat people in their 80s and 90s like, you know, Grandpa Simpson, they're more likely to develop, to develop age-related cognitive declinations. But if you treat them like, you know, uh, a revered, wise, and and useful members of society, then they're much more resilient and resistant to age-related cognitive declines. So, yeah. put that in your pipe. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. I am going to keep that in mind. Yeah. All right. So, but, moving on. I thought that this issue was, it, despite the fact that Miss Marvel didn't appear, the real Miss Marvel didn't appear in a single panel, it was still a very quintessential Miss Marvel issue. It just had all of the little beats and bells and whistles that I have come to associate with this book and with G. Willow Wilson's writing. And uh, Nico Leone does the, il- the I illustration. I love his artwork, with, too. With Ian Herring doing the colors. And they're just, they all work 
hand and glove. They're just it's so fun. All the little bits um, kill me. The little sign saying "Don't, don't feed cake to the sleeping dog." That's, I don't know. I love that bit, you know. And I also really dig how well the extended cast is being fully fleshed out. Um, you know, with Zoe and Gabe and Mike and Nakia, it's you know. It makes me think of the halcyon days of uh, of, um, of Stanley and Mike Ditko's run on Spider-Man, where you know Liz Allen and Harry Osborn were all just as important to the story as Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and it and it made it into a really a, a much more rich tapestry. And I think that um, Wilson and company are doing the same by by creating a, a, a fully dimensional back. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Cast of characters, yeah. you know, and, and supporting I, cast. The the thing I, I agree with you completely there because I, I went on the Mixed Marvel Arts podcast um, last you week. You did? I did. Yeah, you last didn't week. Tell me this. I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, and we basically had this so discussion upset. about uh, about Miss Marvel and the fact that she is essentially kind of got all that. You know what made Spider Man really special. Um, She's kind of G. Willow Wilson has kind of written that into Miss Marvel, and it's kind of she hasn't obviously it's not like a direct copy or anything, but it's you know she's in, got a little bit whole, inspired. Yeah, it's definitely inspired by, and it's it's really good because that's what made Spider Man really important to so many people. So, which is good. Right. I mean, yes, I have to listen you, to that you episode. Have... You have this this uh, this sort of like supporting cast character of Zoe Zimmerman, and you know she's appeared maybe altogether um, twenty issues, and she's more developed and interesting and multifaceted than most superheroes who headline their own book. You know, it's just that's the way it's done. Now, the one thing that isn't there so far that you know, like the, that old Spider Man deal had going is a uh, a really um rich rogues gallery um so i'm glad to see the inventor make a return uh this is the first time that i can think of that that um uh, uh, uh the same villain has made two appearances um in in miss marvel i guess the exception would be um basic betty but she that's whatever um so i think <laughs> that uh, um wilson and think basic betty have... is kind of an interesting villain just to sorry to say but um sorry to interrupt you but i, I think she's mm-hmm. actually kind of interesting but go ahead oh yeah she's super interesting her and uh her, she is now known as lockdown which is not a great name but her and discord could be very cool uh a, you know sort of reoccurring foes to start you know building up a rogues gallery for miss marvel to fight um but all things considered i love this issue and i i recommend it super highly yes is that a right and term? Super, highly? super highly sure we'll we'll go with it <laughs> uh, you highly recommend it i think is what you meant to say yes. that's better put yes <laughs> i also recommend Pakor for dummies super recommended dudes super highly <laughs> super highly recommended dudes Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So Moon Girl okay. and Double Dinosaur uh twenty six is our second installment of the Fantastic Three um story arc. Uh, also super highly recommended. <laughs> Dude. And if you want to um send uh any letters uh 
Marvel for either Miss Marvel um, or Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. If you want to send letters to Miss Marvel, it's mheroes at marvel.com. For, uh, for Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, send all your letters to Mondo Marvel at marvel.com, I do believe is the correct one. Um, yeah, that's the second one is for the all ages readers or yes. all ages books. So, oh, okay. I, 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 make was, sure I was about to ask why one's Mondo Marvel and one is M Heroes. But just make sure you do send them because um, they, all they, the letters they, are good. Yeah. And um, um, Moon Girl, at least, they always publish letters. I mean, they, they usually have two or three uh, pages of letters in the back of their book. Um, yeah. And if you send fan art, sometimes they publish that as well. Or cosplay, always. Um, yeah. Which so done both this issue. What's that? They've done both this issue. Yes. I believe so. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so mark this is okay a... to print. If don't mark oh. it okay to print, they won't print it. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this was a continuation of, of the Fantastic Three arc. And the last one uh, ending with Galactus showing up to the Lower East Side, um, which is never a good thing. Although, fortunately, this isn't Galactus, Devourer of Worlds. It's Galactus, the Lifebringer, which I guess he had a, a big... Um, he a had a... Uh, of, uh, yes, in Al Ewing's The Ultimates, yeah. he became the Lifebringer, and it was in two issues, and it was such an amazing two issues with amazing art. So, if you want to see how Galactus became the Lifebringer, read The Ultimates by Al Ewing. It's awesome. Yeah, Not Ultimate it. Squared, the first run. Well, he's got a big part in Ultimate Squared, too, but if you want to see how it happened, okay. it's the original Ultimates, yes. Got yeah, it, got, got it, That's got another got one it. on my shelf for, uh, for an aim to read by the end of 2018. Oh, it's good. Yeah. You need to read it. I will, yeah. Well, Galactus has come to um, the, the east side uh, to visit Moon Girl, and he has the Silver Surfer bring her on up so that they could talk. Um and um, it turns out that something she's done has uh, ushered in this terrible entity known as the Infinity or something like that, um, which is basically just this portal that's gradually opening. And whereas Galactus ate worlds, the Infinity eats entire realities. Um, so that's bad news. Um, and we don't know how uh, this is going to manifest or, or how Moon Girl is going to smart her way out of this one, but um, things are looking pretty dire. Uh, meanwhile, um, the Thing has made friends with Eduardo, who now insists on being called El Dinosauro or something to that effect. Um, <laughs> he wants to be a superhero too. Yeah. And the Thing seems to be happy to, uh, to join... Him. Now, um, while the thing is trying to figure out what's going on, he's attacked by these mysterious forces, each of uh, four forces that seem to have the same powers of the Fantastic Four. He gets hit by an invisible shield, he gets punched by a big rocky hand, he gets bopped by something elastic, and then shot on fire on top of that. And then he gets arrested for making a big mess, and then like, and, and is like, what happened? And... Uh, Eduardo says, the thing just got beat up by the Fantastic Four. Dun, dun, dun. But we don't know who it is. Um, so we'll have to find out next issue. 
Um, it's fun. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Natasha Bustos, who usually does the art, took the week, took the month off. I, f- I don't have it in front of me, but uh, two oh, other artists stepped in to. They did a really um, good job, though, because um, the the work was very close to Natasha's work. I thought. Yeah, I think they did a great job of uh, sort of parroting her style, so that there was a, a sense of visual continuity. But at the same time, it you know, Miss Bustos is irreplaceable. And um, um, so the art, the penciler was Elisa E. Martinez, and inkers were Roberto Poggi and and also uh, Martinez with Martinez. So they both inked it together. And then um, the normal colorist Tamara Von Villen. Um, was uh, still on colors. So, thank you. I think they did. Yeah, right. I think they did a great job, um, and I think they did a great job of imitating the 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 sense of the specific sense of style that um, that uh, Bustos uh, brings to the book. Um, at the same time, when you when you are doing that, when you are you know using you know trying to ape another person's style, you sometimes can't bring your own special. Je ne sais quoi to the pages, so I, I thought it was a, I missing a little did, bit of that, though, and a little bit. But I think I would like to see this artist on another character. I think that would be very interesting. I I did enjoy the artwork quite a bit. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I really enjoyed the issue as well, to be honest. I thought it was quite cool. Well, as you guys know, I'm a big Fantastic Four fan, so I'll take it where I can get it. And uh, I love I love seeing them in this. And it's an interesting um, kind of uh, bookend because Marvel 2-in-1 by uh, Zdarsky oh. and Chung also came out that same week. I missed week, it. And I didn't read it. It's a good issue, but whereas this is fun and lighthearted, uh, that issue is actually was surprisingly kind of sad and you know it was, it was basically Chip Zdarsky wrote it I'm sorry yeah he can do that he can do I that I know he can I just I'm so used to seeing him doing funny stuff and I don't know and I don't read sex criminals so but sex criminals is well, hilarious yes yeah, sorry uh, sorry I, I mean he, he he it is hilarious I just wouldn't um, expect it to be, be sad that's all it wasn't so much sad. I mean, it, basically, at no point have we really seen the thing and Human Torch deal with their grief over the apparent That's death true. of Reed Richards and Sue Storm and the kids. And um, so, you know, he kind of had to do that. Because um, if they didn't, it would just seem weird. They just sort of were going on with their life without ever thinking about it. Um, but my guess is that that marvel two and one the and i think moon girl will be a part of it at one point um the the narrative thrust will be all about the return of reed sue and the kids so um i'm thinking that uh it's gonna be awesome (laughs) and i I submitted a an ask to your tumblr um which is basically saying would you recommend it for a sort of almost first time reader of the fantastic four in which you said no. <laughs> well, I said that I recommended it, but yeah. if you but if if you're brand new to the FF, there are better places to start. And I think what I suggested was the beginning of um of uh of um Hickman and Eptings and Dragotas 
and Eaglesham's run on Fantastic Four because that is something that I think you'll enjoy quite a bit, and it's really good as a kind of introduction um, to what the FF are all about. I Um, want to go back to... um, Well, no, go ahead, finish, but when you're done, I want to go back to talking about the artwork really quick, and then we can... I'm done. Move on. Talking about oh, what now? Okay. I was just going through the, um, because I brought the uh, issue up on my iPad. And uh, I like I like that last panel. The thing has got these handcuffs around his thumbs. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Where else are you going to put them? <laughs> that's pretty good. And I was like, that's funny. Um, I got a kick out of that. I just, it's like little details like that that I think are great. And I thought that was pretty funny. I'm like, you could just like move his thumb and then just break out of them if you really wanted to. But he's being the thing and he's just a big old softy anyway. So you know, I've, um, I've, I've actually like, I've noticed a lot of artwork, you know, particularly since like with Secret Warriors and stuff like that, where you've got like little details in the artwork. Um, one particular piece was uh, in Tales of Suspense where Hawkeye is holding a burn arrow to this, this guy. And it's just an arrow with a little fist on the end. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that, is, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. It's, uh. Well, that's all thanks to Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. I'm 110% certain of that. Yeah, so, I don't doubt that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen it before. Every, but yeah. every author yeah. has taken those, those different arrows and has run with them. So, boomerang <laughs> arrows. They're awesome. I, I, I think, yeah. Um, Fraction and David Aja have made Hawkeye easily one of my favorite characters um, just from that stellar run. And um, actually, Kate. both Hawkeyes. Yeah. Kate and Clint. Well, what Clay um, done with Kate has been amazing, too. Stellar. Absolutely stellar. Um, okay, well, if we're going to talk about uh, bit details that are the best, there there was an issue of... Uh, of um, uh, unbeatable Squirrel Girl, where where Squirrel Girl and her friend Nancy uh, spot a bunch of uh, Latverian tourists, and the reason they know they're Latverian tourists is that one of them is reading a book called Eat, Pray, Doom. <laughs> That's pretty good. Nice. <laughs> had, you know, it was like you know, you say laugh out loud. I legit laughed out loud yeah. when I saw that. Yeah. My wife gave me a side. I was like, are you really? Guffawing at a comic book, I'm like yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's yes. the whole point of a comic book. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I, I mean, the, the person that I think does it most of the moment is Matt Rosenberg, because it's pretty much all of his books I've kind of got through to a point and just and just stopped because I can't stop laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, we'll I, talk I'm, about that in Secret Warriors because there yeah. was a moment in Secret Warriors that I just absolutely adored. Um, and it made me laugh, and I probably shouldn't have laughed, but I thought it was kind of funny. Um, we can but, jump uh, right into it if you want. Uh, do we want to do that one or Black Bolt first? Let's go to Secret Warriors. That's a, right. that's a good a segue. Switching it up. Done. Switching what? Switching it up. All right. For the inhuman so, race to live, Inferno must die. <laughs> that's yeah. the cover. All right. So it's a, it's a, that's fake news. Neither things happen. <laughs> <laughs> totally that's my trump that's my trump right, impression so, right there it's done Sorry. it's terrible um uh so right the uh the warriors battle against mr sinister comes to its climax um in this sadly penultimate issue of the secret yeah, warriors yeah i i um, love this and i'm i'm sad 
with Matt Rosenberg, Javier Garan, Will Robinson, and colorist Israel Silva. Another fantastic issue. So, all right, so here's the deal. Karnak and Mr. Sinister have been desperately trying to outmaneuver one another, outmanipulate one another, and moving the Inhumans and their own agents around like pieces of chess, and the end game is afoot. Uh, Dante, he has zoomed off uh, to to offer Mr. Sinister a crucial ingredient, the uh, Aterogen crystal, in exchange for the safety of his niece, Ariella, who's been abducted. Okay, so the tale begins with the warriors flanked by Iso and her guardians of New Adelan. They're demanding to know what, why it was that Inferno had destroyed the throne and absconded with one of their aircraft. And the warriors are able to put their pieces together pretty quickly, realizing what it is that Dante has done. But they're unwilling to waste time explaining the matter, so Quick orders a quick retreat, uh, Quake orders a quick retreat, which magic accidentally interprets as a call to attack. And after a brief moment of super violent confusion, Quake clarifies, no, just teleport us away, okay? And they do. Um, elsewhere, Inferno has sought out Mr. Sinister. He's offered of himself and the crystal in exchange for his niece's freedom. And um, uh, now utilizing pirate, pirated access to national security and whatnot, Moon Girl is able to pinpoint their locations and they teleport and arrive, and, and uh, Mr. Sinister's like, oh, these brats, and and, Ms. and Moon Girl's like, oh, you pervert. That's <laughs> <laughs> for the book. A, oh, this a brief fight ensues, and uh, uh, just to, it ends pretty quickly. Sinister and Inferno disappear, leaving baby Ariella behind um, and safely in the warrior's care. So... Quake and the others bring Ariella back to Moon Girl's lab, where she's looked out, where she's looked after by Lear and Devil Dinosaur. And as you recall from last issue, Devil Dinosaur is an awesome babysitter, so baby Ariella will be fine. Then they go get ice cream. Uh, okay, because Lunella uh, says that this is uh, her needed brain fuel, so to devise a new course I of agree. action to foil Sinister ice and save Dante. Great. For brain pain. All right. And I can segue so Karn- into the story of my college days about that, but I'm not going to. Anyway. <laughs> Kar- Karnak arrives. He claims that he's located the warriors by way of his vast network and recesses, resources that he has now at his disposal as, as the leader of Unilix, though in truth, he just scoured every local ice cream parlor parlor, knowing that it's Lunella's favorite brain food. Okay, so Karnak is like, whatever. Mr. Sinister has Dante. He knows that Sinister's research will remain stymied as long as he doesn't have a Terrigen crystal to work with. And then it's revealed that, yeah, he does have a Terrigen crystal, to which Karnak's like, oh, crap! You know? (laughs) Um... They all know, I mean, Karnak knows where to find Sinister. The scene switches to the Tower of Wisdom, um, where uh, Sinister has been doing his, um, his, his work. I don't know what happened to everyone else who had been living there, but they're not there anymore. And Sinister has used it as a, as a, a laboratory. And he walks out wearing, like, bloodied scrubs as though he's just performed some terrible surgery. And he's confronted by Karnak and the warriors. 
Um, and then we go into a rather exposition-heavy info dump that Karnak and Sinister, what they've been hoping to achieve is they've, they've both been working towards recreating the Terrigen Mist, uh, some, some way of, re, of allowing Inhumans to go through the transformation that makes them into Inhumans. You know, Karnak wants this to offer a future to his people, whereas Sinister wants this because he wants to make super-powered minions. In fact, the monster folks that, that, that he and the Beast have used as enforcers are actually laden in humans whom Sinister has transformed into unhumans by way of his imperfect variation of Terragenesis. So that's what these two have been up to. Sinister realizes that Karnak has gotten him monologuing and that he must be stalling for some reason, and that is made evident when Magic teleports in the whole cavalry in the form of ISO's security force, and we're treated to this really neat splash image of the various inhumans Magic has brought to the battle, and it includes a number of familiar faces that we haven't seen in quite a while, including Reader, Naja, Flagman, Casey the Bloom Girl, Mosaic, Grid, Panacea, and even Orin is there. It's uh, yeah. It's neat to see them all. And Frank. Uh, oh, and and Frank. Didn't I say Nur? Oh yeah, Frank too. He's there. Um, and send some other characters who don't have names and but they look cool. Um, so Sinister flees. The unhumans engage the inhumans in battle. And Karnak and Moongirl. Flee. This case. is like my favorite page. There's that huge page where like there's this huge battle, and then you see. Karnak and Mr. Sinister just having like this pleasant discussion as battle ranges around them. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Well, Frank, and also, I, and also, you know, Frank and Oren are teamed up, kicking ass together in that page, and that made me all sorts of happy. I might ship them. Right. So, um, and, <laughs> and of course you will. Of course you will. Sorry. Um, wonderful art by uh, by uh, Javier Garen. Uh, doing all those characters on one page, he he's really skilled at making um, high action pages that don't feel overly busy, um, which is not easy to do, I imagine. Um, anyways, my take was that uh, Sinister goes back into the tower, and Karnak and and Moon Girl chase after him, and there's a brief fight, but Sinister knows that he's no match for Karnak in a physical battle, so he uses his stretchy powers and grabs Moon Girl by the throat, threatening to to uh, to kill her if, if Karnak doesn't stand down. So Karnak states that, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he won't do anything, and, um, and Sinister starts monologuing some more, and Moon Girl's like, she takes the opportunity, she takes the opportunity of him being uh, distracted, and she kicks up her, her boot and cracks open this beaker of um, proto-terrigen. Um, and although this substance isn't true terrigen mist, the compound is nonetheless quite poisonous to mutants, so Sinister breathes in the fumes, and he appears to perish from the poisonous effects. And Moon Girl is pretty horrified at the prospect that she had just accidentally killed this guy, even though, you know, obviously he's not dead. But And if he was, it wouldn't be a big deal, because he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> but Karnak's <laughs> like, no, really it's dark. okay. You did what you had to do. Sinister's unhumans have been thoroughly routed by the inhumans. Karnak and Moongirl emerge from the tower, bringing a recovered Inferno with them. 
ISO demands answers, and Karnak states that everything that he had put in motion was for the embetterment of the inhuman peoples. He claims that the follies and hardship the inhumans have endured over the last few years have been the result of inadequate leadership. The royals have fled, and ISO has failed to keep New Adelan safe, and Karnak knows how to make things right. He is confident that Sinister's work can be completed, a new source of Terrigen can be ob obtained, and that with his now having control of the Unilux Corporation, um, all of its assets can be used to reinvigorate Adelan, and all it needs is proper leadership. At this point, Moon Girl's like, oh, here it comes. We're all going to be bowing down to King Karnak. And then, surprisingly, Karnak suggests that Moon Girl should be the new king, or queen, rather, of the Inhumans, the new leader of the Inhumans. And Moon Girl's like, say what now? Um, and she's stunned. She's like, she doesn't want to lead the Inhumans. She doesn't even like the Inhumans. I don't think she likes people in general. Karnak tries to convince her that it's, it's, it's a responsibility <laughs> she must shoulder. You know, faith and tradition have, have led the Inhumans astray, and they requ it requires intellect, pure intellect, to make things right. He hands Lunella the deed to Unilex as a symbolic gesture, kind of like a stand-in for the royal scepter. And Lunella, she's unswayed. Karnak's logic may be sound, but it's a cold logic, one that ends where the ends justify the means, and she doesn't want anything to do with that. Um, she hands the uh, the deed of Unilex back to its previous owner, Ahura. Um, now, Reader returns from checking out the tower, reporting that Mr. Sinister has vanished, and Moon Girl is relieved because it means she's not a murderer. And a very distraught Karnak is seeing all of his plans crumble down before him. He tries to convince the others to see the logic of it, to see how it would all be beneficial to the humans. Miss Marvel counters that... You know, it would it would just be exchanging one monarchy for another, uh, you know, a ruling system strictly adhering to pure intellect would be no better, no less constrictive than one ruled strictly by adhering to culture and tradition. It'd just be in change, exchanging one folly for another. And Inferno, he, he takes particular umbrage with Karnak's notion of sacrifice the few for the benefit of the many, especially since he was one to be uh, sacrificed. Karnak cuts him back with this really harsh line saying that at least he'd be finally of some use. He'd at least make him a hero that he wants to be. Oh, yeah, that was a bit... <clears throat> that was a bit harsh. harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Iso, meanwhile, means she seems a little unsure what to do. The research that Karnak and Sinister had attained is indeed pivotal to the future of the Inhumans. Yet, were they to accept it, were they to follow this path, it would be a future written in blood. And Iso and Ahura seem to arrive at the same conclusion and they turn to Moon Girl to confer. She's on the same page and she knows what needs to be done. And she asks Quake to use her powers to destroy the Tower of Wisdom, burying underneath it all of Karnak and Sinister's work in the rubble. Quake agrees and she uses her powers and the entire tower comes crumbling down and all Karnak can do is watch in despair. The mission has been accomplished. The warriors once more disband. Iso offers them all a new place on Adelan, but they decline. Miss Marvel and Moon Girl both prefer to live at home. Quake, you know, is given is basically offered a, jo a job, but she has her own things to handle. Uh, with Mister Sinister's scheme foiled, magic no longer needs to be there. Her work is done. 
Dante, however, he does want to return to New Adelan, but Iso states that he's not welcome. He'd attacked the guards, destroyed the throne, and absconded with the last of the Terrigen. He's a criminal in the eyes of New Adelan, and both he and Karnak are banished. And it's with this harsh proclamation proclamation the issue comes to an end. With a note, the story and the series as a whole will be concluded in the next installment. Yes. Yeah, this issue yeah. is really good, but heavy. I feel, yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like Karnak is becoming the uh, the beast of the Inhumans, if you know what I mean. Hank McCoy? Yeah, because, because Beast kind of... Uh, you know, he tried to do stuff for the best, but he ended up just making things ten times worse. And mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. that I think that Karnak is kind of going down that same route, and it's. And not I nice like to how see. Daisy just kind of told him how it was. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But yeah, I, I, I feel, I, I feel kind of sorry for Karnak because it's kind of been this whole, all-encompassing plan that he's he tried to set out, you know, months beforehand, but. It's just kind of been, you know, you, you, a plan of that size is just... Well, that, and as Daisy said, you can't tell people how to live their lives either. Yeah, yeah that's true. So. But I, I feel well, the sorry bo- for him. Bo- I, I mean, I, don't, I mean, he's Karnak. Well, he's, he's, that's his deal. Um, right. And, I mean, it's not that he's wrong. It's just that he's cold-hearted. Yeah, um, right. I mean, the whole he's story so arc is... To the- I think that yeah. I think that's purely from him being like purely analytical and and purely based on you know probabilities and conclusions come from that and it's kind of like that's that's all he's based his kind of his system on and it kind of I, I think that's what makes him so cold-hearted in a way but I don't know I just I just feel like he's he, I don't say he's necessarily cold well it, it, the way he's done done things, it is quite hard. Yes, I mean he cares, but he—I think he cares. I mean, I see him. He ca- he I cares, guess he cares but more he about gets... the race of the Inhumans than right. the individuals, which is always, you know, questionable in my in my opinion. It's uh, right. It's yeah. it's uh, it's the 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 arc itself was kind of a, an analysis of consequentialism. This whole idea that the ends can justify the means. Um, that you know. The need, the needs of the many outweigh the, the 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 needs of the few, and that Karnak and Sinister they could they could sacrifice all these various people so to make a better future for the for the race as a whole, and you know that's all well and good when you when you look from a distance, but up close it's it's, right. it's monstrous, mm. um, you know. And I think that maybe it might be true that Karnak disagreed with Medusa's decision to save the mutants by destroying the Terrigen Cloud. You know, Medusa, she destroyed the cloud because to keep it around would, would necessitate killing all mutants. It would be an act of genocide. Uh, you know, but but to Karnak, this that's foolish. In the grand scheme of things, any progress of, of life will always come at the expense of others. Evolution is genocide. It merely happens at such a gradual pace that it's beyond conscious notice but not for Karnak he sees everything crystal clear and he his mistake is that other people cannot see it the same way he does yeah um uh he doesn't see people as individuals he sees them as as variables on a on a scale um and it's uh 
it's inhuman. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, quite. I mean, it's just the fact that you know you look at this run. He kind of is introduced. He's had a, he had a son, and it's like, and he gave him over to Sinister and all that kind of stuff. And you just sort of think, well, okay, <laughs> this is all a bit odd, but it all kind of right. falls into place by the end of it. If you know what I mean, it's kind of. You know, you, you can you can kind of understand where he's coming from because all he wants to do is just kind of restore the future of his race. But equally, that's not necessarily the best way to go about things. Well, I think you know, Miss Marvel puts it best: is like, is this you know, is this who you want to be? Is it, I mean, will the Inhumans be the Inhumans if they make such a devil's bargain? If if they could be a, a people willing to kill their own kids in order to um, to save their race, I mean, they might as well be dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. It's, uh, I mean, I know that Karnak is going to show up in the next issue. I don't, I don't expect a full redemption for him. I think he's just always going to be the way he is, but, um, uh, people aren't going to be too happy with him. I'm really wondering where they're going to take it because, the idea that you know that you've seen the cover for the next issue it's like Karnak rolling dice well you know I've seen the preview pages they're they it's actually all takes place in Lunella's apartment and they play it the, the bunch of them play it oh yeah they're playing risk. like risk oh okay yeah <laughs> or, yeah I need to see that then um so we'll see how this this series ends but it has been such a fantastic series i i do believe that there will be a new secret warrior series that will come that'll be born out of the the marvel rising animated movies that are coming out It, it, it most likely won't have the same creative team um but uh this 12 issue i mean well 11 issues so far what will be ultimately 12 issues has been a terrific arc a terrific run and uh a lot, lot of, of fun character to read. development for Daisy and um, Inferno, who I think needed some. So, yeah. I think yes. it's been, I think it's been a really good run. So, I, th- I think spoiled I th- guys. Yeah, I, I think I think Matt Rosenberg, I think, is actually probably one of the best writers that Marvel have got have got at the moment. Um, purely because you know you've got Secret Warriors, there's Phoenix, um, you've got Tales of Suspense, Punisher. They're all written by him, and they're all really good books. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really surprised at how into into Punisher I'm getting because I read the last sort of last run. I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much, but this one I was like hooked from day one. He's just got that. He's he's just genuinely a really good writer, and he's got that real sort of talent of hooking people in and you know making them appreciate the characters. What I've seen is yeah. his 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 skill is that he's really good at writing dialogue for an ensemble cast. Because you know yes. you read some books with teams, and you could just move around the the dialogue bubbles, and it wouldn't make any big difference. Yeah. But with in these books, you really know exactly who's saying what because they all have a very distinctive voice and a distinctive cadence and and lexicon, and you know it's uh it's really impressive. I mean, I I haven't read Punisher nor Tales of Suspense, but I did read oh, the first Tales two of issues. Oh, Tales of Suspense is good. Yeah. I did read the first two issues of Phoenix resurrection and those also have those books also have a huge cast and he does it there too like you know exactly who's saying what um and even like minor characters like uh, iceman and hellion they have a very distinctive voice and uh you don't see that in a lot of team books um it's really impressive 
Yeah. So right. I think big things are going to happen for this guy, and I do think that he will eventually be given his Daisy solo series because I know he wants to write one. <laughs> yes, he does. He and loves Daisy. I kind of hope so, that we get one as well because um, apparently his he's his made Quake me book was really, really like Daisy. Yeah. Oh, his Quake solo was excellent. I loved it, and um, and oh, the uh, one shot uh, Daisy yeah, was yeah. yeah the one shot was really good. Um, but uh, Daisy was always a character I was kind of always on the fence about, but um. Seeing her more now here in Secret Warriors, I've I've grown to like her more. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, she's cool. I think it's good luck. So, to, good luck to Matt Rosenberg really as well because yes, he's, he's also writing new new uh, new mutants in March. That comes out in March. Yeah. So he's he's yeah, got a lot. Of that's a mini series. Yeah. He's a writer to watch. Um, speaking of writers to watch, uh, Saladin Ahmed with Black Bolt, um, and and soon with Exiles. Uh, Black Bolt was really yep. good, you guys. Yeah, it I was, that was... It was yeah. Another fantastic issue. Man. You know, because the first arc, when they were all in jail, it had this really like kind of pulse pounding narrative thrust. It was an escape book, you know, they had to they had to break out of prison. And then afterwards, those two subsequent issues, <clears throat> it was a bit slower because um, it didn't have that same uh, sense of urgency, but things pick up real fast uh, in this one as all of a sudden a new uh, threat emerges, um, and it's a real great read. Um, and also quite poignant. I mean, I read a lot of books where there's a character's funeral, and uh, this one was one of the best. Uh, yeah. A, a great a great funeral. So, all right, here's what happens. Uh, Black Bolt, his new ward, Blinky, they've escaped the space prison, they've made it back to Earth, and their escape and their victory was made possible by the noble sacrifice of Carl, the absorbing man, Creel. And uh, before attending to anything else, Black Bolt feels it his duty to seek out Creel's wife, Titania, and deliver the sad news of the de- of his death and the honorable se- selflessness of how he died. Now, this task proves to be just as physically difficult as it is emotionally difficult because Titania is also. Am I saying her name right? I think so. Titania. Yeah. Titania. She's a superpowered yeah. villain herself, and she's just as tough and knuckle as uh, as Crusher Creel is. Um, so she she sees Black Bolt show up in the Bronx, and she assumes that he's just another hero looking to take her on. And they end up having a bit of a fight. It's a really well drawn fight, uh, illustrated fight. Uh, Christian Ward. I've never seen him draw earthly scenes before. You know, it's usually it's always a cosmic setting, but it turns out that he can draw Earth just as cool as he can draw outer space, and it, it's really neat. He throws in these really cool uh, graffiti on the walls um, of uh, the Bronx where they're fighting. You were going to say? I was just about to say, I really like how different it is because obviously you know the cosmic stuff is is very spacey it's very kind of multicolored it's it's really bright and fantastic yeah and but but he's kind of literally grounded it in in this issue um you still got the colors and that kind of stuff still got the variation but it's it's much more muted and i really like that yeah yeah and and, and black bolt he doesn't want to hurt titania uh, and so he refuses to to use his powers to the full extent, um, but 
Titania, she's no pushover, and she delivers mm-hmm. some severe blows, including this like vicious headbutt that sends him reeling. Fortunately, Blinky's there to intercede, and she uses her psychic power to reveal the truth as to what has caused him to seek her out. And and poor Titania, she's just Blinky's distraught. Awesome. Can I just tell you yes, how much Blinky's I love awesome. Blinky? I love Blinky. She is awesome. What isn't awesome is that Titania learns that her husband has died. And she's very sad. She takes some small comfort in learning that the, of the heroic nature of how he had perished. And through her psychic abilities, uh, Blinky is able to project into Titania's mind the memories of how Creel had cared for her in the prison and how he often would speak about his love and his wife back, on, uh, back home. Um, Creel had sacrificed himself by by taking on the properties of Black Bolt's sonic powers and then detonating himself, taking the jailer with him. As such, there's no body to bury, although he had left behind his ball and chain, his weapon of choice, that he always wanted buried with him so he could kick ass in the afterlife. Titania actually kind of hated that old ball and chain, (laughs) but she's glad to have it from... She's glad to receive it from Black Bolt in that she now has at least something to bury. The three go to Creel's favorite bar, where many of his old friends are saddened to hear of his passing, and they drink a toast to his memory, uh, except for Blinky, who gets an ice cream to toast with instead of whiskey. Um, (laughs) That was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. Black Bolt, he's no longer king of Adelan, but he still has access to much of the wealth of the state, and he uses it to pay, to pay for Creel's funeral expenses. Uh, the funeral is a colorful affair where many of uh, Creel's old buddies and, and allies there, including the wrecking crew. Um, this is actually Black Bolt's first foray into a human graveyard, and he finds it unsettling. Um, it's not the presence of death that seems to unnerve him, but something else. And it's not really said, but my own sort of interpretation is that it forces him to realize that he had once looked down on humans as being somehow less than inhumans. He had previously viewed humans or all non-inhumans as beneath his concern, yet his more recent experiences has opened his eyes and he now feels kind of a sense of remorse and shame over his past attitudes and, and being in this graveyard and seeing just how similar humans and inhumans are uh, gives him a a bit of a stir. Uh, Blinky is also unnerved by the graveyard. Being of the lower caste of her own world, she had never been allowed near the burial grounds, and her telepathic abilities are able are, make her able to uh, sense the psychic residue of all the souls buried there. And she's very displeased that Lockjaw isn't allowed to attend because the cemetery is no dogs allowed. And Blinky is she's exp- she expresses a bit of puzzlement that Lockjaw should be considered a dog. Um, so. I, maybe it's a Presbyterian graveyard. I don't know why dogs aren't allowed there. But um, <laughs> anyways, he doesn't get to go. But uh, Captain America is. He heard about this uh, gathering, a supervillain, and he chose to check it out in case it was some sort of uh, bad news deal that he had to, ch- he had to intervene with. Um, Cap, he's surprised to see Black Bolt there and takes him aside. He explains the matters that led up to the Secret Empire ordeal, apologizing for all the great hardship the inhuman people suffered under his name and guise. None of this was actually Cap's fault, but a part of him feels responsible nonetheless, and he apologizes for what had happened. Um, And, you know, it's a rather thin recompense, but I think it's enough to satisfy. I mean, Secret Empire was a tacky or fair in my eyes. Um, and I think uh, I'm not interested in seeing it relitigated. So this name check 
an apology is enough for me. Anyways, it allows the story to continue on unencumbered. At first, Titania is distressed to see Captain America there. The last thing she wants is for her husband's funeral to disrupt into some super battle. But Cap assures her that he's not looking for a fight. He had heard about these gathering villains, but now he sees they're there for a funeral, and he offers his condolences. And Titania, she notes that Cap, that Creel, he he expressed admiration for Cap. You know, of course, Creel found him to be a Boy Scout and sanctimonious, but he he respected him. And it would mean the world to him to know that Captain America spoke at his funeral. Uh, Cap, he's caught off guard by this, but... After a knowing glance from Black Bolt, he graciously accepts, and he gives a rather nice eulogy. Uh, Cap and Titania, his old friend Ozzy, the Wrecker, they all offer parting words for their fallen friend. Then there's this like thunderclap and this wonderful splash page of Thor coming down from the heavens. He's got some rams with him. It's just really cool drawing. you know. And the, and the Wrecking Crew's like, oh no, this guy's going to here to fight, but Likewise, Thor, or Odin's son, he's just come to pay his own respects to a former adversary. And um, finally, Blinky offers her own words, speaking for herself and for Black Bolt. And it's really stirring for Black Bolt to see uh, Blinky speak so effectively for the two of them. You know, all that has happened together has bonded them quite closely, and their bond, coupled with Blinky's telepathic powers, has led Blinky to be his voice, a role that was once held by his former wife, Medusa. And seeing Blinky now fulfill this role causes a real ambivalent feeling to well up in Black Bolt. He misses his wife, and he cares deeply for Blinky, yet the sense of being responsible for a child is a really daunting prospect to him. He had managed so poorly in parenting his son, Ahura. The prospect of, uh, of get having to do it again is, is both a new opportunity to get it right, as well as a new and fearful prospect of failing once again. The services end. Black Bolt Blinky remain behind with Tatiana, or, oh my god, Titania. Titania? <laughs> Titania. And they're able to sit in quiet contemplation for a brief moment until the scene is violently disturbed by the arrival of Lash and his minions amongst the tribe of Lore. Now, as most of you know, Lash is an inhuman renegade, the self-proclaimed king of Orlan and would-be conqueror of all the inhuman peoples. Although Black Bolt is no longer king of Adelan, he remains a figurehead nonetheless, and Lash feels that defeating him and deposing him will further cement his place as the Inhumans' true leader. Accompanying Lash are a few of his minions, uh, Jack Chain, Sheath, and some new yet-to-be-named Inhuman who's this like purple dude covered in fur who has the ability to increase his size into this sort of monstrous behemoth. Now, Titania is actually glad to see them. She's been waiting for something to take out her anger and sadness on, and she attacks with a bandit, knocking out that purple dude with, like, one blow. Uh, Black Bolt makes similarly quick work of Sheath zapping her with his molecular blast deal, and Lash is rather surprised at how quickly the tables have turned, how he now finds him ha- some himself having to square off against both Black Bolt and Titania. Now, this is... Uh, more than he bargained for, but Jack Chain has been a much more furtive in his attack, and he sneaks up behind Blinky and uses his tele- 
path telekinetically controlled chains to capture her. So Lash quickly reformulates a new strategy. He can tell that Blinky is important to Bolt, to Black Bolt, and he uses her as a hostage, allowing his forces to gather around him. He he says that his this attack was premature, but he he'll now have the upper hand when next they battle. And he teleports away, taking Blinky with him. Um, and Black Bolt and Titania are left behind, dumbstruck about what just happened. I mean, Black. Black Bolt's adopted daughter has just been abducted by a, a deadly foe, and, and Ti- Titania's like, how could you let this happen? And he's like, I don't know. And, and right. it's there that it, it it comes to an end with the promise of continuation in the next installment, and it's going to be a really tough to wait it out, because what's yeah. going to happen? I need to know. <laughs> the that right? is back. Like, that, that's what excites me. Yeah. Lash is a great villain, <clears throat> yeah. I think, so... It's, it's funny because the first ever Inhuman book that I bought, I got given a, you know, there's like those um, art cards you can get, like little comic book sized sure. art cards. I got one of those free with uh, Inhuman issue one. And it's actually just a print of Lash and it's really cool. I've got it up on my wall. So oh, yeah. fun fact for you. Another one of, another one of my interesting fun facts. But my letter got yeah. published in, uh, in Black Bolt. I was wondering if that was you. I saw it says, it says Adam. I'm like, wait, is that our Adam? Yeah. And it is. Yeah, and I, cool. I suggested that the Marvel should make it a 52-issue-a-year book. Um, yes. I'm not entirely sure how well that would go down. but You should make it a what now? A 52-issue-a-year book. 52-year... Okay, well, I'm sure that Christian Ward would really appreciate having to bolt out... Yeah. One issue a week. His hands will fall off, but I like the idea. Well, he's I got like a little baby, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Put, of... put the kid to work. <laughs> <laughs> she's probably not even six months yet, is she? So, well, oh, she's God, a bit no. But um, yeah, speaking of which, uh, I got a print, um, which has got Black Bolt issue two, the cover art for Black Bolt issue two. I, I bought that from Christian Ward. Um, and that arrived, oh, nice. that arrived just before Christmas. That was a really I... nice Christmas present. Speaking of, of covers, um, and Adam, I think you touched on this earlier, but the cover of this Black Bolt, if it doesn't get an award for best cover of the year at the end of this year, which is yeah. you know, 12 months away, this is a <laughs> kick-ass cover. And also, somebody oh, this pointed a... this out on Twitter, and I would like to point it out, too. That first page that shows uh, Titania looming over Black Bolt, mm-hmm. that's how you do an ass shot, because there's nothing like, it's just... Yeah, badass. Don't don't like, do it like the uh, the Spider Woman variant cover God, from yeah, right? 2014. But that's how you do that's how you do the that's how you do shots like that. Do you know, right? It's awesome. I know we always end up talking about the the artwork in these books, but this book was amazing. Like just like just the emotiveness and uh, oh god, I love the expressions he has for Titania. There's yeah. that one that's just eyes and they're like bloodshot and oh. Just, it's just the fact that he can somehow, like, literally get the the expression in there, and it's it's kind of like watching a movie, and it's like it's exactly how you imagine it would be done, and I'm sure that must take massive amount of skill, because yeah, it just looks so good. Christian Ward is is and he he um, and rightfully so. Black Bolt's gotten a lot of year-end awards from a lot of the um, comic book websites. Um, yeah. But Christian Ward's, like, his artwork has been, like, left and right. I mean, this book, I think, um, I'm hoping this book gets an Eisner this year. I think it deserves it. Um, it's just been absolutely astounding and just... Yeah. There's that page where Titania punches Black Bolt in the face and just... 
It's just yeah. like how he does it's that. It's all reverberating. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, it's just well, that, such uh, a, and I I agree with you entirely about that one page where she where we see uh Titania standing over Black Bolt from, uh, we see here from behind. I mean, it, the image itself has has sexual energy, but it, it's not it's not objectifying. They don't. He exactly. doesn't draw the contours of her ass or anything like that. Um, it's uh, it, it's respectful, and I really like. I mean, I didn't know much about Titania before this, but I like know, her. Yeah, to to the same extent that the that. that that Ward and Ahmed were able to make the absorbing man Crusher Creel into a character I loved, even though I didn't have strong feelings about it before. I think they could do the exact same thing with Titania. I hope she accompanies Black Bolt on his mission to save Blinky because they play off great together and she's a lot of fun to read. I was, I was, about, to say, yeah. I was about to say, the th- as you know, Black Bolt does have a thing for strong-willed redheads. <laughs> don't we all? No, I don't want to see that. Don't even hint at that. But I would, I would like to see them team up because I think they would be a fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was about to say about um, it's just the fact that these books they don't have anyone particularly. This is the first book where we've had like Captain America, Thor, proper sort of A-list heroes come in, and yeah. You know this this book like doesn't need a list he, heroes. It doesn't need that. It doesn't. But, and, and it, it doesn't. You know, I know we're, we're issue what issue nine now, um, and it's just kind of yeah. The fact that we see them is is really nice, but the, they do nothing for the plot, which is great. And I actually really enjoy that. I really like <laughs> the fact that you know you don't need the Captain America, you don't need the Iron Man, you don't need all that kind of stuff. You just need a good story, and I think this book really epitomizes that. So mm. and and Saladin Ahmed has done a really good job of that. Yeah, he. I mean, this is this was uh, was terrific. I loved uh, the bartender. He was just given a unique voice. He was uh, um, everything about it was pretty great. Um, and um, uh, I was excited to see Lash. He's a great villain. He's so scary looking. And um, I think now that that that. Um, Black Bolt's powers have been diminished. He's he's going to be a handful for for Black Bolt to take on. I don't know, um, but I tell you that that splash page of uh, of Thor showing up. You know, yeah. if if Black Bolt, you know, does end sometime in the not too distant future, um, I think uh, Ward would be a great um, choice to illustrate Thor. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to talk about that because I want Black Bolt to no. go on indefinitely. But, yeah. Um, but Ward makes a great case for, for being given a book like Thor or, um, I don't know, one of those other kind of bombastic titles like... Uh, I would suggest sure, Guardians. Thanos or... Whatever. Guardians, Guardians, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Guardi- Guardians would be, Guardians. like, perfect. I yeah, I, I, But it's not going to happen because he's going to draw the next 30 issues of Black Bolt <laughs> and it's going to be... Well, no, that's, that's, that's a good point because because the fact that um, Black Bolt is the only recurring Inhumans title from twenty seventeen that is still going yeah. on, and it's it's projected. Well, I mean, if uh, not including Moon Girl and and yeah, Ms. Marvel, course, yeah. it's They're the only uh, right continuing resurrection, resurrection book, right? Although I've heard rumors that that all the X-Men resurrection books are going to end as well and be re relaunched as different things. Well, yeah, um, that's, so. that's, that's the thing. And, and 
I, whilst you know, I still feel like the X Men are getting all the love now, um, which you know I'm not bitter about because I'm really excited for the new Domino book. Um, oh God, yeah, with Gil Simone. Yeah, and and yeah, and I, I'm really excited. And I'm excited for I'll X-Men get that Red. I like Gil Simone. X Men Red should have been Jean Grey, Rachel Summers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've Jean done Grey. this. Sorry. All the redheads. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm gonna stop that. But yeah, no. Um, I, I'm. I'm a fan of the of uh, the creative team for that book, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm I'm um I'm, I'm quite looking forward to the new X Men books. I think I've finally gotten over my whole IVX deal. Um, and um, our good friend Phil Noto illustrated this week's issue of Astonishing X Men, and it was awesome. As an, um, I'm pick up so trade. that's worth that's worth picking up. Um, I, I think uh, Sarah, are you going to um? turn into a bit of a, an ex-fan after Domino? Uh, <clears throat> I'm picking up Domino purely because of Gail Simone is writing it, but we'll see because I tried to pick up Jean Grey with Dennis Hopeless writing it, and I know it's a good book, but I wasn't able to stick with it. So, But a lot of that was primarily budget issues, so maybe I'll pick it up yeah, in trade, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick up Domino because... Gail Simone is why I'm picking up Domino. Yeah, yep. and I'm just hoping that Greg Land is just doing the cover of that book and not oh, the interiors. Yeah. The interior artist has not been announced yet, so. Um, yeah, there is no way open. that that Gail Simone would work with Greg Land. Uh, well, <laughs> I hope I hope she gets a really good lady artist on it. Um, I would love to see Veronica Fish back on another Marvel book. Um, Absolutely, she's drawing slam right now, but I would I would love to see her on another Marvel book. Um, she did a couple issues well, on Unstoppable Wasp too. So, someone suggested me to me on Tumblr that that Gail Simone could write a uh, a, a Medusa solo, and um, and I and I I countered like yes, that's a great idea, but it should be an all redheaded team. That it should be Gail Simone <laughs> on on writing, oh. and then Becky Becky Clunan on on art, Ooh. and. Uh, and Tam and uh, and Jordi Bellier on 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 uh, on colors, and you you would have this amazing ginger power across the board, and it would be <laughs> awesome. I, I would enjoy that. that I would as, just be there for that art team anyway, because as a redhead myself, Punisher. So, um, I would love. I would. That would be awesome if her and Jordi were to team up and do art on a art on a book. That'd be awesome. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, as a redhead myself, I'd appreciate that. That's why I made the joke about X-Men Red, because I felt like, you know, it'd be good yeah, yeah, for I ginger gotcha. representation. <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know that I'm actually, I am ginger. Why don't they just do, like, like an all-redhead superhero book? You put Matt Murdock on it, Medusa. Crystal could go either way, as a redhead or a blonde. I've seen her drawn as both. Uh, you know, I've completely forgotten that Daredevil uh, is ginger, because of the fact that there's one scene in Superior Iron Man um, where where Iron Man takes the piss out of Daredevil for being ginger. Yeah, so oh. you've got Daredevil, you put Medusa on the team, you put Black Widow on the team. Yes. Um, and who else is a ginger? You could have Crystal on the team because she's close enough. Um, who else would be on the team? I can't. Oh, drawing a blank. Keen on the team. Rachel Summers. And you have like redhead power. Madeline Pryor. Wow. I mean, yeah. you know, Matt Murdock would be like a pimp because he'd be the only guy in the team. Okay, that's too far. The one too dude far. there, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this, this, God, I'm a horrible uh, person. I mean, this year's a bit... All right, guys. I was about to say, just this year, um, obviously we've got the Lockjaw Mini, the Exiles book, Black Bolt, Miss Marvel, Moon Girl. Um, 
I can't remember what else. Um, this month, Monsters Unleashed still counts, I think. Yeah, I mean, we can we can delve into that. We've got um, Inhumans Judgment Day coming at the end of this month, which I'm kind of excited for, not excited for in another way, but whatever. But at least the, the next six months or so are looking good for Inhuman stuff. Wait, why aren't you excited? Because you just don't want it to end? Yes. Yeah. Ah, I hear you there. You know, and there was a, well. The, if it's going to come to a conclusion, a big oversized issue with art by Mike Del Mundo, that's the way to do it. Go big or go home. You know. God, yeah. Mike Del Mundo's amazing. Anyway, I think. That's, anyway. That's it. That's us for. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Anyone who has. I got to go uh, call apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyone who has uh, question comments or or has the name of some more Reddit head superheroes for our ginger squad, please hit us up at this show at adelanrising.com or you can get us on Twitter at adelanrising1. Yeah. And hopefully we'll answer um, uh, some emails as well, which we've got in the the coming episodes. Yes, we will. We'll uh, take our episodes and, uh, or our issues and our emails, whatever. I'm so distracted right now. Um, and, and we yeah, we'll talk about we'll, it. We'll something. go over the next issue. Because cool. uh, some, some of you guys who emailed us brought up some really interesting points we would like to discuss. Yeah, well, thank you for listening. I seen those. And yeah, we'll, oh, cool. and yeah. we'll see you in episode 39, I think. Wow. Bye. 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 Bye.